It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, March 31st. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up tonight, the California Report reviews efforts throughout the state to dry out from the historic precipitation over the past month. Then we've got a look at your local news and weekend weather forecast. Many may have the day off school or work, and that's in commemoration of civil rights and labor movement activist Cesar Chavez. KVMR News intern Julia Jem has more on the federal holiday. Then KVMR's Felton Pruitt lets us in on the latest in local live music. He speaks with Jerry Earwood. Earwood performs lead vocals and harmonica for Banner Mountain Blues Band and is also in Yacht Rock Fever. This is the California Reporter. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Much of California is trying to dry out from the latest storms to hit the state this week. That includes mountain communities where even more snow has fallen in what's already been a historical year. Cal Fire has 26 hand crews that are on the ground removing snow in our mountain communities. This isn't just a coastal or inland issue. Our mountain communities have been hit hard and Cal Fire is working As we often see that these crews clearing fire line in the summer, they're clearing snow line in the winter. That's Brian Ferguson with the State Office of Emergency Services. In the San Bernardino Mountains, some residents are still struggling to get by. LAist reporter Jill Replegol has more. Thomas McKenzie's home in the tiny community of Twin Peaks was yellow-tagged after his roof cracked under the weight of the record-setting snow last month. McKenzie suffered a stroke a few years ago and has difficulty with brain function and movement. Last weekend, McKenzie took a bus to a county pop-up event in Crestline, intended to be a one-stop shop for disaster assistance and information. But he left feeling no closer to figuring out how to get his roof fixed and how to pay for it. The county handles building permits through a website, and McKenzie has no computer and no internet skills. It's like a carnival ride here. And I talked to other people with far more resources and tech savvy who are also finding the process daunting. As for money people need for repairs, Governor Newsom has requested a major disaster declaration from the federal government. That would unlock additional resources in nine counties, but San Bernardino isn't yet included in that list. That's LAist reporter Jill Replegol. Rural farm workers have been hit especially hard by the unrelenting storms this year. Many are undocumented workers who are excluded from unemployment benefits, meaning they have no recourse for lost jobs and income. Last year, Assemblymember Eduardo Garcia proposed a pilot program that would provide undocumented workers who lost income due to the pandemic with $300 per week for up to 20 weeks. But Governor Newsom vetoed the bill in September. Now advocates are urging him to reconsider in light of climate emergencies in places like Pajaro and Planada. Sarait Martinez is the executive director of the Centro Binacional para el Desarrollo Indígena Oaxaqueño. Undocumented workers contribute to the wealth of the state. And really getting unemployment benefits, it continue to ensure that workers can pay rent, can pay food. That money goes back into the economy. According to UC Merced's Community and Labor Center, one out of 16 workers in California is undocumented. They collectively contribute $3.7 billion in state and local tax revenues. Colorado and New York already have programs providing unemployment benefits to undocumented workers affected by the pandemic. 
Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation. Accepting nominations now for the 2024 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, they continue their series, Mixed, Stories of Mixed-Race Californians, with a conversation with Professor Reginald Daniel. He taught the nation's longest-running course on mixed-race studies at UC Santa Barbara. Host Sasha Coca has more. Reginald, or Reg Daniel, grew up in the South at a time when there was still a lot of segregation. His whole family identified as Black, but he looked at his skin tone and his ancestry. Some of his great-grandparents were white, and he decided he felt more comfortable claiming a mixed-race identity. So there was a sense, I think, of shame about that, uh, that ancestry and the privileges that often come uh, at that time, particularly among African-Americans about being lighter skinned. So there was a great deal of silence about it. But for me, I was just looking at the world around me and saw a lot of things that nobody wanted to talk about. I was an outlier uh, throughout my entire life to identify as mixed, and my family was not happy about it. Daniel's stance challenged the one-drop rule a concept rooted in slavery that basically said if you have any Black ancestry, you're categorized as Black. And so Daniel got a lot of pushback, not only from his family, but from the broader Black community. They feel it's a sense of betrayal to the Black struggle, but I'm saying, can't you be in the Black struggle and be multiracial too? Is there a problem with that? How, how, why is that a contradiction? But the assumption is that a monoracial identity is the only trajectory to be engaged in the struggles of Black people. Daniel authored and edited numerous books on race. His scholarship examined constructs of race and blackness not only in the U.S., but in Brazil and other countries. He founded the Journal of Critical Mixed Race Studies. And he was involved early in the multiracial movement through groups like MASK, Multiracial Americans of Southern California. It's just always been very natural for me to think of myself as being an in-betweener or a liminal man that fits, you know, in in the in-between spaces. I have always been a mixed person. I wouldn't know how to think of myself otherwise, and I'm not planning on changing. (laughs) You're asking me not to be myself. How do I do that? Professor Reginald Daniel passed away just weeks after our interview with him. His work influenced generations of scholars and activists to challenge the ways race is socially constructed. For The California Report, I'm Sasha Coca. You can hear Professor Daniel's full conversation with Sasha Coca and Marisa Lagos on this week's California Report magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or download the magazine's podcast. 
And that's the California Report for Friday, March 31st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Brendan Willard, Danny Bringer, Catherine Monahan, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Izzy Bloom and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of Muse is Erica Kelly. Our vice president of Muse is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. With five declared emergencies over the past two years, Placer County is moving forward with what they claim is a first-of-its-kind emergency response model. A press release from the county says the new model will enhance cooperation and coordination among the Placer County Sheriff's Office, Placer County Fire, and the Placer County Office of Emergency Services. The plan calls for the addition of a dedicated sheriff's lieutenant and assistant fire chief who work directly in the county's Office of Emergency Services. Their role would be to coordinate planning and disaster response alongside the OES team. Placer County Sheriff Wayne Wu says the idea of reorganizing OES was born after several unprecedented emergencies required a long and sustained response. He pointed to the Mosquito Fire and Christmas Storm of 2021. Wu says, quote, I am confident with the product that will come out of this team, and confident we will become the model in the state of California that other counties will eventually look to emulate. The multi-agency model is estimated to cost $1.1 million for the first year. This covers building renovations and the purchase of additional emergency vehicles, as well as the annual salary and benefits of the two new positions. The ongoing annual cost after the startup is estimated around $768,000 for salaries and benefits. The adoption of the plan will be finalized once funding is approved in the fiscal year 2023-24 budget. And in much-anticipated news for some, Grass Valley's new Target store had its soft opening Wednesday, March 29th. Their official grand opening is set for this Sunday, April 2nd. The Grass Valley Target had originally planned to open in November of 2022. The store takes up residence in a remodeled space at the McKnight Crossing Shopping Center. The site once housed one of the last Kmarts in the nation. According to the Union of Grass Valley, the Target hosts a CVS pharmacy, Starbucks Coffee, and Ulta Beauty. Let's take a look at your forecast from the National Weather Service. NWS forecaster Carl Swanberg says, quote, It's been a wet March, but it's nowhere near records. Currently, March has seen a little over 16 inches of precipitation. The record for March, set in 1995, is around 23 and a half inches. This according to an article from the Union of Grass Valley. The National Weather Service's Sacramento office is calling for more rain and snow showers this Sunday through Tuesday morning. Swanberg continues, quote, The morning lows are going to be quite chilly for that period. On Monday, snow levels will be within the 1,500 to 2,500 foot range. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 34 degrees. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 51. A 20% chance of showers Saturday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 40 degrees. New precipitation of less than a tenth of an inch is possible. Sunday, a 30% chance of showers mainly after 11 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 48 degrees and gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. 
Sunday night sees rain showers before 11 p.m. and a chance of snow after 11 p.m. Sunday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 29 degrees. New snow accumulation of less than a half inch is possible. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 22 degrees. Saturday mostly sunny with a high near 40 and gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Sunday a 30% chance of snow after noon. Partly sunny with a high near 37. Prepare for snow Sunday night. A low around 15 degrees brings new snow accumulation of 2 to 4 inches. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee Tahoe area, with more wind and snow on the way Sunday through Monday. Travel late Sunday into Monday will be considerably worse due to snow and strong winds. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 40 degrees. Saturday mostly sunny with a high near 63. Saturday night will be cloudy with a low around 46 degrees. Sunday mostly sunny with a high near 62 degrees. Sunday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 38. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Coming up, KVMR News intern Julia Jem takes a look at the reasons why March 31st is now recognized as a federal holiday. Although the day is named in commemoration of a single man, as Jem indicates, the movement is much larger and holds particular significance in the Golden State. Cesar Chavez was a civil rights, Latino, and farm labor leader. He was a religious and spiritual figure, a community organizer, and an advocate for militant, nonviolent social change, especially in relation to issues like environmental activism and consumer rights. Throughout his youth and into adulthood, Caesar traveled the migrant stream throughout California and labored in fields, orchards, and vineyards. His career in community organizing began in 1952 when he was recruited and trained by Fred Ross, a community organizer who was forming the San Jose chapter of the Community Service Organization, CSO, a prominent Latino civil rights group. His long-term goal was to organize a union that would protect and serve the farm workers, having shared their poverty and powerlessness during the time he'd spent laboring. March 31st is Caesar's birthday, and today in 1962 he quit his work with CSO. And with $1,200 in life savings, he founded the National Farm Workers Association with 10 members, him, his wife, and their eight young children. The NFWA later became the United Farm Workers of America. That year, in 1962, President Kennedy offered to make Caesar head of the Peace Corps for part of Latin America. Caesar turned down the job in order to embrace voluntary poverty. The farm worker movement in its whole established a burial program, the first credit union for farm workers, health clinics, daycare centers, and job training programs, and built affordable housing, starting with the retirement home for the elderly and displaced Filipino-American farm workers, and then later, multifamily and homeownership communities for farm workers and other low-income working families and seniors. Caesar never earned more than $6,000 a year, never owned a house, and when he died at the age of 66 in 1993, he left no money behind for his family. He liked to say that his job as an organizer was helping ordinary people do extraordinary things. Cesar Chavez Day was proclaimed as a U.S. federal commemorative holiday by President Barack Obama in 2014 and is meant to honor his birth and legacy. For KVMR, I'm Julia Jem.
Up next, KVMR's Felton Pruitt has the latest on local live music. Banner Mountain Blues Band was born in Nevada City. They played their debut gig downtown at Golden Era Cocktail Bar and Lounge three years ago. The group's harmonica player and lead vocalist Jerry Earwood joins Felton. We're talking with Jerry Earwood. He's in the Banner Mountain Blues Band. They're going to be playing at the Wild Eye Pub Saturday night, April 1st at 6.30 p.m., but you're also in Yacht Rock, which is playing at the Miner's Foundry tonight about 8 o'clock. So uh, you got your hands full. Well, and then on Sunday, we've got the Love Fest over at uh, the Wild Eye that uh, we're going to be having our second show, which was postponed because of the snow. And hopefully uh, we'll get a little better weather cooperation for this coming Sunday. Let's just start from the beginning. You're obviously, I would guess, a musician. Yes. (laughs) I like to think of myself as that, but uh, yeah, there may be other opinions floating around, but yes. Let's go back to the Banner Mountain Blues Band, which is playing Saturday night at the Wild Eye. Talk about that and how that got formed. Okay, well, uh, about three years ago, Visa Exima, who is our excellent blues rock guitar player, was talking to Mama G over at uh, another venue and, uh, well, got himself a date. And so once he got the, the date, then he's like, hey, Jerry, you want to be in a band? <laughs> so, and then that's, uh, we used a, a couple of members of, of Shaky Ground to kick that off. And, uh, and then it just evolved into um, what it is today, which uh, is Visa on guitar, Herbert Houston on keyboards and vocals. Uh, Herb's uh, an amazing keyboard player. And then... Uh, this weekend, we've got uh, Ray Kinman playing on bass, and Kit Bailey's going to be on drums. Lovely cast of uh, wonderful musicians that I get to play with there. And, uh, we, you know, we do a pretty good job getting people onto the dance floor, which is, you know, my favorite part of being a musician. And so we're really looking forward to tomorrow night, and uh, we're going to, you know, bring our A game. Where did the blues become such a cool thing for you, an important thing for you? Well, back uh, when I was um, in junior high school, I lived on a street that had uh, several harmonica players. One of them is actually still playing with Can't Heat, Dale Spaulding. And, uh, but, but it was a street that uh, kind of uh, Dale was, was the first one, and then everybody wanted to copy Dale because he was like badass on it and everything. And so Where was we this? Had ended up, this was in Downey, and okay. the street was Gainford Street. And uh, it was famous. That was back in, we were, we were running around with the Alvin brothers, at, uh, Dave and Phil. And it was just a, a time of um, discovery of music. And I was going out to record stores and getting um, albums of people that had been dead for years and years, like Little Walter and Big Walter and, and you know, on and on. And so that was, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, the beginning. And my idol, probably the person that I wanted to copy the most was Paul Butterfield. To this day, I still love Paul Butterfield, and, and but he was my first idol. And the rest of it kind of all fell in place from there. I ended up playing harmonica in about 50 years now. Well, that gives you a little bit of experience. It does, yeah. I, I think we've got a couple hundred years of experience in this band. And then also tonight at the Miners Foundry, you're playing with Yacht Rock, which used to be something else. Go back into that story. Oh, Shaky Ground. It's still the Shaky Ground band, but we have a show that's called Yacht Rock Fever. And that's because we do, we, we actually looked at uh, most of the things that we are already playing is Yacht Rock. And that, that includes everything from Boz Skaggs to uh, Pablo Cruz, 
Hall and Oates, anything with Michael McDonald on it, uh, <laughs> that's all considered yacht rock. So yeah, he's he's sang backup on a heck of a lot of, of uh, recordings out there. Oh, the Doobie so, Brothers and um, let's see, Steely Dan. I could go on and on. Yeah, but that's kind of you know that kind of led me from you know up till today when I moved up here, I started you know jamming with my brother Tom, who's passed away now, but. Uh, we had uh, a lot of great musicians that were playing once a week, and I, I'd kind of like gotten, you know, semi-retired from from music, and then all of a sudden I got inspired again. And being up here with all the great musicians that we have in Nevada County, it's just, uh, you know, it's phenomenal and it's inspiring, and you know, it's it's a blessing to be here with with so many great musicians around. We're talking with Jerry Earwood. He's got three different shows he's in this weekend. One tonight at the Miner's Foundry with Yacht Rock. Tomorrow night, the Wild Eye Pub, the Banner Mountain Blues Band. And then what's the big deal on Sunday at the Wild Eye? Well, on Sunday, that's going to be our second Love Fest. Uh, We did the first one. We had 14 different bands and uh, musicians for that one. And I think that we've got 14 for this one, too. So it's all about, uh, you know, uh, sending love to the Wild Eye Pub has been a, a very supportive live music venue since they opened up. You know, they had, uh, uh, like like many businesses, they got kicked in the teeth a little bit during the COVID period of time, had to cancel an uh, incredible amount of shows and, uh, you know, and deal with that. And still, you know, they found a way to get you in online to do a show or eventually they opened up that back patio and put a stage back there and it's uh you know they've they've been a great venue for everybody that plays music i think in this county uh just about everybody's played there and so you know it was just an opportunity for me to uh get involved with beth to kind of help coordinate some of the music that's going to be going on and so the first one was a huge success the second one was scheduled for two weeks later and um you know what happened with the weather just kind of shut everything down. So uh, yeah, that was a, that was a mess. But anyway, we've got it rescheduled for April second, so it's coming right up. And uh, we've got another fine lineup. You want to tease us? Sure. We're starting off with the new Peace Choir, which is twelve people that are going to be there singing to you as we go through the day. We've got the Stamp Mill Stompers, and we've got the Chicken Fried Cats, the Notorious Cosmic Cowboys. Later in the evening, uh, we've got the Kelly Garmeyer Band. She's put together a fabulous band. And then we close with Bob Mora and the Third Degree Blues Band. So this Wild Eye Love Fest, what time does it get underway on Sunday? On Sunday, we're going to kick it off at 12 o'clock, and we're going to go until 9.30. Wow. So it's a big day. It's that's, a long day. That's a lot of music. Well, you got your hands full this weekend, so... To recap, Jerry Earwood playing with the Yacht Rock tonight at the Miner's Foundry, with the Banner Mountain Blues Band tomorrow night at the Wild Eye Pub, and then part of the organizational process of the big love fest at the Wild Eye on Sunday. That's correct. Do you have a website where people can find out more information about where you're playing and what you're doing? Yeah, actually, uh, the BannerMountainBlues.com for the blues band, and... um, YachtRockFever.com is what uh, the, the web address is for the Shaky Ground Yacht Rock Fever show right now. So then the Wild Eye Pub, of course, they have their own website with, with uh, dates on there. But yeah, so uh, look us up and uh, we, we keep that pretty up to date with uh, shows that are coming up and, uh, you know, 
Come on out and see us. We've been talking with Jerry Earwood. He's been playing music here for a long, long time. Keep it up, Jerry. Well, thank you, Feldon. Thanks for having me on. That's our newscast for this Friday, March 31st. Listen to anything you may have missed on our website, kvmr.org, and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Craig Johnson Plumbing, family-owned plumbing and rooting service, serving Nevada and Placer County since 2004, providing plumbing installations and repairs, also emergency services for residential and commercial customers. Craig Johnson Plumbing at grassvalleyplumbing.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.